You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Marcus Mosher of Pro Football Weekly and the NFL 1000. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. And joining me today is the one and only Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBTB. Landon, how are you doing today, sir? I'm uh, I'm tentatively holding on to my seat to hope that we have no more technical problems <laughs> for the rest of this podcast. And we've only just started. We're 30 seconds in, really. Yeah, the, the good thing is the audience doesn't know what's going on, but that's okay. Uh, coming up on today's show, we discuss the Cowboys offensive line. Uh, we discuss maybe some interesting positional battles, what Paul Alexander might bring to this group, and what to expect from the entire unit in 2018. Um, and let's go ahead and jump in with Alexander because there was some news today uh, that he is bringing in a, uh, a former veteran, Willie Anderson, uh, to help out with the offensive line. So I think this is a good place to start. What do you expect from, uh, from Paul Alexander this year in comparison to Frank Pollock from last year? Well, I, I think that first of all, they're very, very different coaches. It, it feels like. I mean, I think Pollock seems to be. I mean, just uh, seeing him in action, you know, kind of uh, very straightforward, kind of by the book, uh, you know, offensive line coach that you would, you know, that a, a a writer would come up with, you know, like just like a hard nosed, right, right. you know, yelling at the guys. Um, uh, to me, Alexander is a little bit more of a renaissance man kind of coach. You know, he he uses a lot of different techniques and uh, uh, likes to use kind of unique teaching methods and 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 uh, kind of uh, and, and a lot of really interesting ways of of trying to relate to the players and and, and get to uh, you know get through to them. Uh, just based on what I've seen uh, um, interviews and and uh, videos with him and stuff, it's it's he's, he just seems like a very kind of interesting dude. And, and yeah, you mentioned that Willie Anderson is coming in to work with the uh, the the team, uh, the offensive line for the for the, a week, I think. And, and I think that's great because you know really what we're going to see is is an offensive line that's kind of in transition with some of the techniques they may use because of uh, Alexander coming in. I think some extra time with, uh, you know, the coaches are very limited with the amount of time that they're allowed to spend with the players in the offseason and the OTAs and that sort of thing. So having a, a, a guy who obviously is going to teach very similar methods come in uh, and kind of get you, you know, warmed up to all that before you go headlong into OTAs really, I think, is a great idea for the team and a great idea uh, for the players because I, I think, you know, whatever changes we're going to see, maybe the, the, you know, a little bit more power added to the game, uh, added to the play calling of the running, running game, um, you know, I think Anderson is a guy who obviously spent a lot of time in Alexander's system and, and knows uh, a, a lot of what the coach is going to want out of his linemen, and so this will kind of help, uh, you know, make that curve, learning curve, not so steep. If there's one player that you think is going to benefit the most from having Paul Alexander in that room, who would it be? Because I've got a guy that I think is going to dramatically improve under Alexander. I think it's Leo Collins. Yeah, I, I, I think as, as, as soon as as soon as he got hired, I thought Leo Collins is the guy that that really it, it, I feel like is you know first of all I, I feel like Leo Collins it must have been very highly sought after by 
uh, Alexander. Um, and to the point where I'm almost surprised, especially since he was with the Bengals, that they didn't just draft Leo Collins uh, because they really they normally don't care about uh, you know any kind of you know potential real or not real uh, off field issues. And and you know if, if everyone obviously remembers that LC's unfortunate situation uh, with what happened, unfortunate for the uh, the rest of the league and for LC, but not so much for the Cowboys. And can I interject they were in there real quick? Up. Yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. Lyle was going to be the pick for Cincinnati at twenty one if he was there. Um, you know, before this, I know two teams. I know Washington at pick five was considering taking Lyle Collins over Brandon Sheriff, and I know the Bengals did love Lyle Collins at twenty-one. So if there was no off-the-field issues, and there there's not, um, he would have been a locked top twenty pick. Yeah, and so uh, it's pretty great that you know that he ended up with them uh, with us uh, in the long run, and, and you know Alexander's going to get a chance. I just think that you know uh, his hands technique, the, the way he uh, you know he kind of helps chain together the hands and the feet and the hips is really going to help Leo Collins kind of unlock a lot of his, uh, of his uh, uh, ability. And I think really the issue, you know, especially the, the issue you see with Leo Collins is that he, he lunges too much. Uh, and I think that, I think, you know, one thing that Alexander really helps uh, with a lot of these players is that he teaches his players to keep, and we talked about this, I think before is that he teaches his players uh, to not necessarily need to keep their hands up, but to actually play with their hands down. So as to have a complete motion that the offensive lineman is making. Uh, and, and so that it's, it's timed correctly. And it's not one of those things where you have your hands ready and you get too, too, too ready for the player and, and you reach out too far before he gets to you. And that's what causes lunging is that you get, you get nervous. You're not waiting, allowing for the player to get to you in times, usually especially with speed players, and you reach too early and you can't get them, and so you keep reaching, and that's how you get overextended. So I really think uh, specifically Lyle Collins is going to benefit a lot from Ball Alexander, but I do think that all of these players, I think, should get some benefit uh, from Alexander, who's got a ton of experience uh, and a lot of really great players that have come out of his system. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into that tackle position. Let's talk about that rest of the unit. So we we know that uh, Tyron Smith is going to be the left tackle. Can we go ahead and assume that Lyle Collins is going to be the right tackle, correct? I think as it stands right now, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like you know they, they mentioned him as a guard when they drafted him. Uh, I think you know they've given the kind of deference to say – I'm sorry, it's all about Connor Williams here. Um, uh, uh, they kind of, you know – Gave the the normal kind of speak of well we'll you know try him out and see try him out in any spot and see where he's best but yeah I think at this point it's pretty safe to assume I would assume that uh, Leo Collins is probably staying at right tackle. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the swing tackle position because that's a spot that killed the Cowboys last year. Um, can we go ahead and project who we think is going to be the swing tackle this year? Do you think it's going to be Chaz Green? Is it going to be Cameron Fleming? Or might it depend on the position? Is Fleming a better right tackle than he is a left tackle? Is Green a better left tackle than he is a right tackle? Give us your take on the swing tackle position. Well, first off, before we get into the particulars of this, I, I need to mention that I, I think that it was really, really super important that they added a guard. Or, or let me just say this, that they added an offensive lineman in the draft. And that okay. that to me was the most important thing they could have done this offseason. Because I really do feel like 
this offensive line needed to get back to a point where it could be dominant, not just good enough, and not just okay, we're good because we can plug in some you know nobodies next to these all pros and get by. Like we we don't we can't get we getting by is not getting by for this offensive line on this team. Like we this offensive line has to dominate in order for this team to function in the manner that it's supposed to. So getting an offensive lineman now, whether it be a guard or a tackle at that point. It was fine as long as they were worthy of being one of the starting five on this team. Um, so them getting Connor Williams obviously put Lael Collins back at right tackle, which uh, made this whole conversation of who the backup tackle even possible because otherwise Connor Fleming was going to come in here and be your starting right tackle likely or with Lael Collins moving back to guard or Martin uh, was going to step up and have to be a starter um, and um and, and, and they were going to keep Lyle Collins at right tackle. The fact that either one of those two options is reality now, I think, is very good. The, and not necessarily because I don't think that they couldn't handle the, the job for you know a couple games. The problem is we're talking about a, a season-long position. And on top of that, what happens if Fleming or Martin or whoever the, the fifth offensive lineman in that scenario was gets hurt? Right. Uh, you know, now you're talking about an even more dire situation, and now you're back to where you were last year, and and the, even further than that, we saw what happened last year when Tyron Smith was a shell of a, a person. We saw even further what happened when we didn't have the the tackle depth behind him or the guy behind him to kind of keep that at bay once he started getting hurt. Um, so the idea that we have Fleming and Chaz Green going back to I, I guess it's more natural position. Uh, and, and, and listen, I one of those people, we've talked about this before, I'm not writing off Chaz Green at this point at all. I want to see what what he does in the offseason, going back to his natural position, an offseason of doing that, an offseason with Paul Alexander, and let's let Fleming and these guys you know, compete. I, I definitely would not rule out the idea of one of them being a starter uh, you know, at one side and one of them being a starter at the other side. I actually think it's, it's more likely that – uh, maybe Chaz Green is your hey. If Ty- Tyron Smith is out for an extended period of time, he comes in as your left starting left tackle for the I longer agree. period. Yes. But but Fleming's the guy that we dress out every day to come yep. in as our our swing tackle. I think that likely is the game day position. But I think that both of them will have value on this team that is now realizing that it's not just important. Not you can't just get by an offensive line. We need a strong starting five and then a strong set of backups behind them. And I think they attacked it this offseason, and I think it's gone unnoticed by a lot of people, but not by me because, for me, it was the most important thing they had to get done, and they got it done. Yeah, what was interesting about the Connor Williams pick for me is that it really put everything else in place. Uh, Not just left guard, but it also – I don't mind Fleming if he's your starting right tackle, but I feel really good if he's your swing tackle. Uh, I I don't mind Chaz Green as a swing tackle, but I love him as that fourth tackle. Uh, I didn't like Marcus Martin as a left guard, but if he's competing for you know that interior spot behind Connor Williams, I can get behind that. So that's why that Connor Williams pick made so much sense. Um, let's go ahead and move to guard because I have a question about Connor Williams. Um, we know he's athletic. Uh, we know he can play in space. We know he has uh, he's got the feet. Uh, to play that guard position. Actually, I think he can survive out a tackle if you had to have him out there. My question is this. Uh, the Cowboys usually had their best uh, rushing attacks when Ronald Leary was playing in that spot. And Ronald Leary is a guy that could do both. He could play in space, but he also had power. 
Is Connor Williams going to have enough power to hold down that left guard position? Yeah, I think he does. I mean, I think what you, you know, the 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 key for him is going to be look again, especially when we're talking about something like moving people off the ball. You know, the key for him is going to be flexibility and and getting low and using uh, his leverage to 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 unlock his power. He has power to move people off the ball. It's about it's about using the leverage to get his body to unlock that power. I mean, look, this is a, you know, a guy who could, I mean, you saw the box jumps and all that stuff. I mean, that's not just because he's, you know, felt and able to leap. I mean, that's power that's generating that behind him. So uh, I think what, you know, what, what we need to consider when we're, especially when we're watching college tape, of this guy is that he, you know, he came back last year, but he wasn't all the way back from a, a knee injury, you know, and and so uh, I think that as he gets further and further away from that, uh, flexibility in his lower body will return even the flexion will return even more so in his lower body, and that's going to help unlock a lot of this power as well. And again, I, I think Paul Alexander here is going to help with some of this technique a little bit. I, you know, I think that this is a guy who has all the tools to to be a, a, the kind of guard who can you know move people off the line. Um, and, and I think you know, and I and I also think that that's also sometimes, especially now in in, in these kind of zone and power schemes, despite being called power, uh, that that it's it's almost kind of secondary to making sure that they can actually get to the block. You know, I mean that and that's the thing is that he's going to be asked a lot to get to second levels. He's going to have no problems with that. He's going to be asked to pull and get out and hit targets in space. He's going to have no issues with that. So there's definitely times when he's going to need to get low and move a body out of the way for sure. For sure. Um, but I also feel like uh, uh, it's that is almost kind of secondary in some ways to his ability to get out in the move and hit targets in space. All right, the next question I have for you, and by the way, I love Connor Williams is going to be a stud. Uh, yeah, he's going to be he's so good. Um, I, I don't really care about arm length. Zach Martin has below average arm length for a guard, and it's fine. In the NFL today, it's not so much about uh, you know be able to keep defenders off you; it's just be able to keep guys in front of you. Um, he'll be fine. Um, the next question I have for you is behind Travis Frederick, they really don't have another true center, even on their training camp roster. Now they have, they have Joe Looney who has taken some snaps there. They have Marcus Martin. Um, let's say something terrible would happen to Frederick in training camp or beginning of the season. What do you think they would do at center? Would they try to just roll with one of those guys, or do you think they would experiment with moving Zach Martin to guard and maybe putting Cameron Fleming down at right guard? What what do you do anticipate being the the backup plan if Frederick goes down? I mean, I, I think it really depends on the situation. I mean, if you're talking about a situation like you just described, where he gets hurt in a training camp practice, and we're talking about for the entire season or for you know months on end, I think maybe they they try something where maybe Zach kicks into center and then you move some bodies around and see how that works. I mean, that, that certainly could be a, 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 a thing that they try, but uh, you know, I tend to think that, um, you know, that they may, they may feel comfortable with Looney or they may feel comfortable with, with, with trying to get a uh, Marcus Martin ready to, to play a uh, uh, center. Uh, you know, I, I think Martin, I'm pretty sure Martin, if I remember correctly, I, I've seen snaps of him playing center. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, you've got some experience there and some guys that you like that are in your normal natural backup situation. So I think it's enough that if it was a situation where it's in game, you know, in season, he's out for a game or two, he's out for the rest of the game. Uh, yeah, I think they would just kind of kick in the, the normal backup there. If you're talking about something, you know, preseason, long term, you know, I think that might 
change the equation a little bit, and then you start considering out-of-the-box solutions. All right, the next one I want to go with is typically this team carries eight to nine offensive linemen every year, correct? Sometimes they go a little bit heavier and keep ten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go ahead and project which ones they're going to keep. Uh, we can go ahead right through the starting lineup, and it's going to be Tyron, Connor Williams, Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, and Lyle Collins. Uh, who are the next three or four that you would think are pretty much locks to make this roster? I kind of have nine in my head at this okay. point. Um, the starting five, and then Fleming, Green, uh, Looney, and Martin. I think are, are – I mean, that gives you a, a great group of flexibility. Um, you know, uh, I think, you know, you've got – uh, Martin, who can play all three, I think all three guys spots inside. I think you've got uh, a tackle who could play both sides. I, I think you probably have two tackles who could play both sides if you wanted them to. But I, I'd still like the idea of keeping Fleming as your game day active tackle, and then keeping Green as your, um, you know, emergency long term solution at left tackle if you needed if you needed one. Um, and, and then what and about, I think, uh, go ahead. And I think that kind of gives you just a good mix of uh, of 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 you know guys with talent and, and being able to cover all, all opportunities. Now, I mean, the outside chances that they if let's say a guy like uh, Kareem Edwards like uh, really shines, you know, in, in training camp. Um, you know, they've been keeping him around for a little while, and and, and they uh, they liked a little bit what he saw what they saw last year. And if he really shines, then I think you know you could maybe make that conversation tough for one of those guys. But but for right now, I mean, I think I would pencil those nine people in with the possibility that they don't keep nine, they keep eight. And what about the game day roster? Same five, and then probably Fleming and Marcus Martin, correct? I would say Looney, probably. Because think? I think that, I yeah, because, because I think if, well, we'll see how Martin plays out. Uh, but I because I think that if, if it were like to go into a game day situation, like just for the game, I think they would probably, if like a center went down, they would probably kick in a guy to play center, and then and then move one of those the, one of the guys one of the guards did to play whoever to take the place either Martin or Williams whoever moves inside. Um, and two guys I just want to mention really quickly. You mentioned Kadeem Edwards. That's a guy that has great size at six foot four, uh, three hundred thirteen pounds. Was a, a fifth round pick from the Buccaneers in two thousand fifteen. Um, he's got really long arms. I, I think he has the longest arms on the team. Uh, he has a little bit of experience playing tackle. Um, I think that's another guy that they probably would like to stash on the practice squad just because he can do so much. Um, And then the free agent they brought in, Jake Campos from Iowa State, uh, started 33 games at left tackle for Iowa uh, Iowa State, and then he started three at right tackle. Also has some experience playing guard. Um, Just a guy to keep an eye on throughout camp. You know, we see a lot of these guys by the time we get to the – you know, the third and fourth preseason game. So uh, just keep an eye on them. We, you know, the Cowboys are always looking for developmental offensive linemen. I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and try to get another guy, uh, you know, just to compete with Looney and Martin or maybe bring in another tackle. It's going to be interesting to see. So this is the time of the show where we go ahead and, and grade the Cowboys offensive line unit. The four categories that we've been using so far are dominant group, uh, solid group, needs work, and smoking crater. So I will allow you to go first. What do you think about the Cowboys' offensive line heading into the 2018 season? Well, I mean, I think it's it's pretty clearly a dominant group. I mean, it's it's this is this is probably the best unit. I mean, no, no more. This is the best unit on the team. Absolutely. This is this is maybe the best unit 
in football. Like this, this is in in the conversation for the best position room in all of the NFL. Um, and we're and not just, that the, not just talking about offensive line because I'll no, even no, say no. like if you're talking about like overall about, units, yeah, yes, best unit in the in the NFL, not offensive line unit, best correct, you know, single unit in the NFL, or grouped unit in the NFL. I mean, I think that uh, you know this is you, you've got three All Pro level level players with two more that you know, have the skill set to get there as well <laughs> out of five. So uh, yep. you know, I think uh, you know it's it's pretty easy to see see that and you know kind of check it off now i think you know it's pretty hard to argue that the philadelphia eagles might have had the best unit last year i think when you consider uh the additions the cowboys have made the pedigree of the guys that are currently on the team and then on top of that you know the additions that were made behind the scenes to bolster the backup situation it's it's a it's a it's a complete group uh and and it's a group that's built to to be the best in the league and so now it's really just about them going out there and doing it um and i and again i I don't want to uh go away from this without saying that there's i think there should be a little bit of excitement about you know potentially what um paul alexander brings to this team because i think you know the people poo guys that get fired and they think oh well he's got fired and he's worthless i mean paul was with that team for 18 he was with cincinnati for i think 18 years wasn't it, it was yeah. like ridiculous yep maybe the longest one of the longest serving uh you know assistant coaches in football so uh he survived through a couple of different coaching staffs too so uh you know i think it's really New blood, especially the coaching staff, uh, the position coaching staff can really uh, make some changes. And when you consider that he's got such a a great pedigree mixed with the the talent pedigree that he's coming into, uh, it it could it could really make for something uh, special this year. And I'll say they're a dominant group as well. But um, one just little quick note. Uh, That offensive line room really respected Frank Pollock. They appreciated everything that he did for them. But I didn't get the sense from just a couple different people that I talked to that they were all that sad to see him go. I think, uh, I think uh, Paul Alexander is going to be uh, an exciting coach for them. And I think a lot of these guys are really looking forward to working with Alexander for an extended period of time. So I, I think it's never bad to have some change-ups because, you know, if you have the same voice over and over in the same room, sometimes the message gets a little dull. I think bringing in a guy like Paul Alexander, who has some skins on the wall, who has developed, you know, some really good offensive linemen um, with Willie Anderson and Andrew Whitworth. Um, I think this offensive line group is really looking forward to working with him. So, can, yes, can I just say real quick, real yeah, quick, I, I, I think just to piggyback on that, I think it's not unrealistic to say that this offensive line group had outgrown Frank Pollock. You know, because Frank Pollock was a was an assistant line coach for Bill Callahan when he came yeah. to the team. This was his first job as an offensive line is is as him being the lead offensive line coach, and he did an admirable job. I'm not complaining about the guy, but I also think that you know we're talking about three offensive linemen who are trying to work their way to, towards gold jackets. Yep, you know? absolutely. So 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 I think it was time for them to start the the 200 level classes on on offensive line to say the least. You yeah, know? and so, you, or, you talked about this with training camp. Pollock is better when he is the hands on kind of assistant guy rather than being the overseer of everything. Correct. That's I mean just based on my limited view of him at training camp. Yeah, that's my impression. And that's fine. I think I think at this point this group needs a coach that's going to push them you know, past a certain level. They don't need to get 5% better. They're trying to get that 1% better. I you know they, these guys, three of these guys are already all pro type of players. They just want to continue to get gradually better. 
Um, so I'm excited to see what's going to happen, and I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what Lyle Collins looks like in his second year at right tackle. So that's going to be an interesting thing to watch throughout training camp in the preseason. Uh, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBTB. You can follow the show at Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you guys next time.